Wow. Man, I was going to start by saying how excited I am because I missed football so much, and it feels like it finally ramped up this weekend. But then I just realized how much I missed Taylor up here doing announcements, and that even tops it. Yeah, awesome. He's awesome. But not really. I like football better than Taylor, if I'm being honest, man. It was, I, was so, I woke up Thursday morning excited. I was going to get to watch my, one of my kids play a sport for the first time in like six months, which is the longest period I've been without watching one of them do something in probably the last 18 years. So I was fired up. I was excited. More than you should be over an eighth grade football game, I know. But I was thinking about it all day, and it finally happened. And it was fun being in the stands. And so I was feeling guilty about how passionate I was about it. And then I realized if I made a spiritual analogy, it would make it all okay. So I started thinking, and I realized, you know what? This must be how God feels on Sunday morning when he sees us. He's like, look at them. They're actually getting out of bed. They're doing it. They're, they're doing it. They're gonna go to church, or they're gonna tune in on the live stream. I see them. He must get pumped up just watching us because I know that he loves us more than I even love my kids. And so he's excited you're here. He's excited you're watching on the live stream and honestly, I'm pretty pumped about the next five weeks. I don't show a lot of enthusiasm compared to other people in my life. I'm pretty steady usually, but I am pumped and I'm excited about what's coming up because we're gonna talk about how to really take this and apply it to the issues that are going on in our lives and in our relationships and in our work so that we can show up healthier for the people around us. So let's start with this. How many of you have issues? Anybody got issues and willing to admit it? All right. The reality is we all have issues, so just let's just flat out start labeling people. Look around you, somebody beside you, and point at them and say, you got issues. Go ahead, tell them. You got issues, that's right. They do, yeah, I know, and they're trying to ignore it. Wait, 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 don't. Some of y'all are pointing three rows over. You don't know those people. They could be, they may be visitors. Let's not, let's hold on just a second. We got issues, you guys, we do. We, this, this is one of the healthiest church staff's leadership groups, period, I've ever been a part of. I love the people that, that lead this church from lead pastor to worship pastor, student pastor to, man, prayer pastor across the board. We have amazing team. But you know what? We got issues, and we've been trying to work on those. So a couple of weeks ago, we went on this staff retreat, and we started using this resource, Church That Heals, uh, by Henry Cloud, and we watched these videos, and we took those videos, and then we studied and did some journaling based on some questions that were asked of us, and then we came back and we discussed those, and we've been working on those in small groups as a church staff. I'm telling you all that to say, we're gonna do that as a church, but it started with us as a staff, because we wanna be as healthy as we can be to show up healthy for you guys, and we want you guys to get as healthy as you can be so you can show up for the people around you in your life that God brings in your path. So that's it. We're going to deal with our issues here a little bit over the next little bit. Well, who does this apply to? Good question. This applies to pretty much all of us, I believe, but I'll give you some screening questions just to make sure. If you have issues of a personal nature, so maybe sometimes you feel depressed or sad or lonely or abandoned or left out, maybe you feel anxious sometimes and fearful and worked up and worried about what's going on around you and stressed out, maybe you've experienced loss or grief or hurt in your life some kind of trauma or neglect. Well, if there's something personal going on, then th that's maybe the issue that you get to work on over the next five weeks here. Maybe it's relational. Maybe you got it all together, but man, relationally, the people around you are pretty screwed up and you gotta figure out how to deal with that. And we might find out it's your stuff that's messing up the relationships around, but we'll get to that if that's the case. But maybe it's a marriage thing, or maybe it's a friend thing, or maybe it's a parenting thing, or maybe it's a kids who have 
issues with their parents kind of relational thing. I don't know. But it could be relational, or we may need to work through some things. Issues related to your performance and your work, and you you got a vision for what you want to do, or you need a vision for it, or you've got gifts and talents that you're not utilizing. We're going to get a chance over the next five weeks to see what the Bible says about our issues and how to work through them. We all have issues. I was in the back waiting a little bit ago, and Taylor Christensen was just up here. He said, Sean, I've got an issue. My issue is procrastination. I'm like, dude, really? Tell me about it. He goes, I'll have to tell you about it later. I walked out. We all got issues. It's okay. Jesus said in Mark chapter five, he said, look, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And I came not for the righteous, but for the sinner. Jesus came for us as we need help with the things that are going on in our lives. And so we want to see what he has to say. So who, who, who's, who's going to do this and what's it going to look like? Well, it's going to look similar to what we did as a staff. We're going to watch a little video in here. It's going to feel a little different because usually two, three minutes is the most we do a video clip. They're actually going to be nine to ten minute clips, one per Sunday over the next little next five Sundays. So that may feel a little different, but you can relax if you're on the live stream. It's going to just pipe right there into your television. We're going to watch that clip. A pastor is going to talk just a little bit about what you saw, and then we're going to hope that you are in a community group or in some sort of place that you can process what you're learning. And if, even if you want to do that by yourself and you prefer, we've got ways for you to do that as well. The material we're going to go through is by a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. He's pretty awesome. Man, he wrote a book back in the 80s, 90s maybe called Boundaries. A lot of people read that. It's, it's been really helpful. He's kind of one of the counselors behind the Celebrate Recovery program that's nationwide in churches everywhere. He is a pastor to pastors. He probably shepherds more pastors uh, than almost anybody else I know in the country. He's an executive coach. I got to spend some time with him as he spent two years with the Chick-fil-A leadership team, kind of helping them through some issues. And most importantly, he's a devoted follower of Jesus. He, he knows the word and he works incredibly hard to integrate these principles into counseling practices that make a difference in people's lives. So I'm excited that we're gonna get to hear from him because this is a, a big deal. You guys, there's just people hurting everywhere. And uh, if we're honest, we're some of those people that are hurting. And the church ought to be the place you go when you're hurting. And we ought to be the kind of community that's safe enough and supportive enough to help you through whatever is going on, or at least point you in the direction to get you the resources that you need. The church has fallen short, I'll just be honest, historically, not just not this church, but church in general has fallen short. We, we've got like several different approaches we've taken, and there's, there's good in all the approaches, but there's also a gaping hole usually in most of them. The first approach we've taken to emotional and mental and relational problems is we've just called it sin. We've said there's sin in your life, you're a sinner, and that's why you have that problem. The problem with that is, man, if you sit across from somebody and you really listen to them and you find out that they were neglected or abused or traumatized or they're going through some grief or loss or life circumstance, sin may have nothing to do with it. Just this crazy fallen world and what's happened to them has caused hurt or sadness or loneliness. It's not always sin. I love that Jesus was even clear with the disciples. He was walking along the road with them and they said, hey, what sin is in that blind man's life that caused that problem he has? Because they had that same assumption. There must be sin that caused him to be blind. And Jesus says there was no sin that made him blind. We are gonna use that circumstance, that man's blindness, God's gonna use that to manifest his power in his life, but it doesn't have anything to do with his sin or his parents' sin or anybody's sin. 
good for us to know, not all of our problems are sin-related. Sometimes life just beats us up. The church has also made a mistake because sometimes we've said, you know what, if you just knew enough truth, if you just memorized enough scripture, you wouldn't have any problems. You wouldn't have any issues. Your life would be perfect if you just knew enough Bible. You know what? That's not always the case either because truth is helpful, but truth needs to combine with grace and time. We'll hear about that from Dr. Cloud in just a little bit to really bring the healing power that it should. I had a pastor in college when I first became a Christian, and he didn't like counseling, and he didn't like psychologists, and he, he just believed this thought about the church, that you just have to memorize enough scripture, and you won't have any problems. You won't have any issues. Your relationships will be great. Your life will be awesome. And he preached that and taught that for 20-something years until he had a major depressive episode, had to shut down his ministry, stop traveling, stop teaching, until he got grace shown in the form of counseling by people applying truth in his life in an appropriate way. So there's a third approach that I think the church has kind of taken to this that's still good, but maybe lacking a little bit, and that's this spiritual retreat, inner healing deliverance model. Man, sometimes we're like, you know what? You got a depression, there's a demon behind that, we speak that demon out, we call him out, and then everything is gonna be fine in your life. You will be delivered from that and never have that problem again. That happens, God miraculously heals, I absolutely. But it doesn't always happen. And as a matter of fact, more times than not, healing is a process that he wants to work out with us and not a once and done kind of situation. So what's the real healing process look like? What's the best biblical model for that? That's what we're gonna kind of approach over the next five weeks. How do we heal the stuff inside us and the people around us and show up for them in a good way and with a biblical approach to the emotional, mental, and relational things that are going on inside of us? We wanna be a church that does that. So here at Cypress Creek Church, just to be clear, in case one of those three models is what you've adopted for your life and you're frustrated with me now for speaking against those, a little bit of truth in every one of them. I get that. But here at Cypress Creek Church, we believe what Jesus modeled in the garden when he said, Lord, if there's any miraculous way to take this situation I'm about to face on the cross away, do it. Jesus prayed for miracles, believed in miracles, acted miracles, could have delivered himself from that if he wanted to. But he said, also, though, your will be done. We believe in miracles, and we believe in God's sovereignty here. We're not the best ones to tell you when, which one is going to work. The reality is we want to always trust him. and We want to always trust his word and always trust the spirit that's inside us. So as we talk about the healing process, we're going to look at two significant things. See, one is diagnosis. If you want to heal something, you got to diagnose it. That's the first step. With emotional, mental, and relational issues, unlike most other medical conditions, we skip diagnosis and we go straight to treatment. Told you I was excited about football and Thursday rolls around and we get done with the game and it was exciting and there was touchdown passes and scores and defense and all this and we get in the car and we're all pumped up and Cody gets to get in the car with us to go back and ride back from land passes. He said, man, my thumb hurts. And we're like, yeah, dude, good, good game, great, way to go. And we're kind of, we're, he's, no, really, my thumb hurts. And we look back there, and like his left thumb is three times the size of his right thumb. And uh, I said, well, no wonder it hurts. It looks pretty swollen. So that's what I've been trying to tell y'all. I said, okay, calm down. I'm a doctor. Let me help. Christina's like, you are a psychologist. You know nothing about fingers. And I'm like, man, we've had kids. This, so I'm like, oh, that thing is jammed. And I'm about to pull it out. She goes, you don't know if that's jammed. What if it's broke? I'm like, well, I don't know for sure, but it looks jammed. And she goes, see, you don't know. We don't know that for sure. If you pull it and it's broken, you're going to break it worse. 
And I'm like, well, if it's jammed and I leave it jammed, it's going to stay worse. And we're arguing back and forth. And Cody's back there like, can I just get some ice on my thumb? And uh, we have issues, Christine and I. We're working through them. The problem is we still don't have an accurate diagnosis on his thumb, so we don't really know the right course of treatment. And it's like that in our lives. Until we diagnose, dig down with care and compassion and find out what are our issues? Where are, we, where are the wounds and the hurts? We want to diagnose that. And once we do that, man, then we can bring the right treatment. We can bring truth and grace in combination and give it time so that it marinates and we get healing in community or by ourselves or with the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the combination of that. It's a healthy healing process. Last thing before I set this video up and let it go. Um, In John chapter 5, this happens many times in Scripture. Matter of fact, uh, psychologists have this joke. So you know how many psychologists it takes to change the light bulb? And the answer is one, but the light bulb's got to want to change. And uh, it's kind of how we are. You know, we need motivation from the person that's coming in. Jesus, ironically, was really similar to that. Many times he would come upon somebody hurting, he would ask them if they wanted to be different. And it's... That's the situation here in John chapter 5. There's this pool outside of Jerusalem called uh, the Pool of Bethesda, and, and uh, there's, that's where the disabled would come. The blind and the lame uh, would go to that pool thinking that if they got the water on them, it would bring healing or hoping that that was the case. And Jesus comes upon the, a man that's at that pool in John chapter 5. And so what he says in verse 5 is, Uh, one of those guys that had been there had been an invalid for 38 years. So get this, this guy has not been able to walk for 38 years. And Jesus says, when he saw him in that condition, hey, do you want to get well? Isn't that a weird question? Do you want to get well? I mean, he's at the pool. That's where healing happens. He's, he's He's had an issue for 38 years, and yet still Jesus asks him. And if we're honest, I think Jesus is asking each one of us that today. Because the reality is some of us have issues that we kind of have grown accustomed to. They're like, you know what, this is, this is an issue probably, but I, I kind of like it. It justifies me getting angry. It justifies me walking away when things aren't going well in a relationship. You know what, this issue's kind of become a friend almost to me. I mean, we've been companions for a long time, and I think I'm just going to hang on to it. So the big question is, do you want help? Do you want your marriage to be better? Do you want your relationships to be better? Do you want to be a better parent? Do you want to get some healing for the stuff that's been in there a long time. I think Jesus is asking us that. This man answered, honestly, and he says in verse seven, well, sir, the, the invalid replied, I have no one here to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He says, yeah, I, I wanna get well, but the solution's evidently that water over there, and I don't even have anybody in my life to help me get to it, and everybody else is trying to get to it in front of me. The poor guy had the healer right in front of him, but he didn't know that. So we were just kind of talking about, well, this is what I always do when, I'm my, when I, my issue comes up. This is what I always do. But Jesus might be saying, look, let's do something different. And Jesus did something different for this guy. He just said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus wants to heal your issue. It may come immediately and it may come through process. Well, let's dive in together the next five weeks and uh, see if we can't get healthier. Henry Cloud. Hey, guys. 
Have you ever had this question? How do I get better? Whether I'm struggling with some kind of you know, depression or anxiety or whether I've got a relationship that's broken, it's causing pain, or whether I can't you know, get where I want to go in life. You know, I think we've all felt something along those lines. And we all have that question, what's the path? How do I get, how do I get better? How do I get through this? Well, God has the answers for that. And I think no matter how we, you know, work those answers out, whether it's with a therapist or a pastor or a group, wherever it is, there are always three main ingredients that you see present in everything that God does that has to do with, with our growth. Now, in this section, we're going we're gonna to kind of illustrate what those three areas are so that you know that whatever you're trying to do and however you're trying to grow, that you can have the essential ingredients of growth present in what you're doing. Now, to illustrate this, um, you know, the Bible talks about this in so many ways. But one of my favorite ways of talking about this is out of a parable that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 13, and it's the parable of the fig tree. And here's what he says. A man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on that tree, and he didn't find any. And then he actually gets mad. He says, cut it down. Why does it even use up the soil? He says, for three years, I've been looking for fruit on this tree. Cut it down. But then the vineyard grower steps in and he says, wait a minute, sir. Wait, let me do three things. Let me dig around, fertilize, and let's give it another year. Now, what I would propose to you, and we see this in, in, throughout the Bible, is that those three ingredients connect to God's biggest, biggest principles, his grace, his truth, and using time. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack kind of how those work. You know, the digging around part, what do we dig around to find? You know, the tree wasn't getting better. We can't just look at the outside. What he had to do, he's going to dig around and go underneath the surface and find out what's there. And then he had to fertilize. He had to give it something that it couldn't produce for itself, some food and nourishment. And we're going to talk about that. And then thirdly, this wasn't going to happen in a weekend retreat. Growth takes place over time as we're planted and firmly rooted in these different processes. So let's look at what happens next after that. Well, you know, when he says let's dig around and fertilize and give it another year, he says after that, you know, if it doesn't happen then, then, then we can cut it down. And so what God does is he sets this, this framework of time. Really, it's time, you know. We're going to work on these things for a period of time. And then at some point, our time is up. You know, we're all going to die. And we have this period of time called life. And if we're using our lives, digging around and fertilizing in the right ways in a process, then what we're going to find is we heal. So let's take each one of those. You know, this first one of digging around about the truth. One of the things we hear a lot, and I've heard this a thousand million times, is because we love God and we love his truth. You know, you'll hear, well, the truth shall set you free. Well, that's true. But if you notice that passage, see, a lot of people will just try to memorize scripture or just try to go to the word and say, you know, the truth's going to set me free. Well, that's not all of what Jesus said there. What he also said was, if you hold to my teachings, if you walk in my ways, then 
you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just memorization. And when you take this digging around to find the truth, what you see, and this gets to the healing of all these areas, what we see is when people get better, they don't just memorize a principle. They take the truths of God's word that does some digging, and here's the key, below the surface. See, when we just, you know, water a plant or wave at it or shine light on it, Sometimes we don't get to the root system. And what we know about all of these issues in our lives is that it takes a little digging around. Now, on the second category where he says fertilize, think about this. What does fertilizer do? Now, I want you to learn this this basic truth about your growth because we see every New Year's Day, you know what you see? You see people say, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to produce fruit this year. For three years, I haven't gotten any better. This year, I'm going to do it. Well, with what? I mean, you're the same you. Is there anything new that's being installed? Any new software, for example, that's getting downloaded? See, that's fertilizer. Learn this truth. A a, a plant cannot produce what it needs in order to grow. That's got to come from the outside. And everything we know the Bible teaches is, is that God is the source. See, we're not the creator. We're the creation. And so we depend on the outside to get what we need for life, starting with air and water, right? But to food and, and then more than that, to support and to, to, to good instruction and to healing and to good modeling and somebody showing you how to get to the next place. So that's, that's this fertilizer part and that symbolizes grace. You know, grace is way more, way more than just God accepts me. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Unmerited meaning I can't produce it. I can't make it for myself. It's got to be given to me. And favor means, you know, the good stuff we need. So what that says is that we need things from each other in order to get better. You know, if you grew up in a place where nobody ever taught you, for example, and built in the skills to resolve a difficult conversation or built in the skills that would give you the love inside to to have the courage to go through hard times. We need to have that inserted into us from the outside. The Bible says, encourage one another. Put courage into one another. I remember a man that came to me, had a friend that had been struggling. He said, I've been trying to help him. I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm worried about his health. He's gained about 150 pounds in, you know, a short amount of time. His father died of a heart attack about the same age. He's got three young kids and he's, now he's starting to get diabetes. He said, I'm trying to help him. I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm his accountability partner. And I said, well, how's that working? He said, I've been doing it for six months, holding him accountable to his diet and exercise and, and he's gaining weight. And I said, well, is he doing it? And he said, well, not really. He kind of tries and then he doesn't. And I said, and then what do you do? He said, well, I hold him accountable the next week. And I said, well, then what does he do after that? He said, well, I hold him accountable. He fails, and then I hold him. And it was in this cycle, just stuck for three years, over and over and over. Well, you know what I said to him? I said, if you love this guy, you better stop holding him accountable because what you're going to do is kill him. He said, why? I said, because there's no grace here. He said, oh, absolutely, there's grace. I forgive him, and, and we pray for forgiveness. And then I said, yeah, but grace is more than forgiveness. Grace is unmerited favor. It's giving him what he doesn't possess to get better. I said, where are you doing that? He said, well, what would that look like? 
And I said, for example, he doesn't have any self-discipline. He goes, you're right. He needs some self-discipline. I said, well, where's he going to get that? He says, well, self-discipline. I go, you just told me the self that's gaining weight has no discipline. So we can tell an empty car, a car without any gas to go get some self-gas. See, discipline's got to come from the outside. He said, well, what does that look like? I said, do you have five guys that love this guy? He says, yeah. I said, well, how about if they have discipline, that they give their discipline to him. Monday, one of them shows up at his door, 12 o'clock, says, come on, we're going on a 45-minute walk. And the next one says, come on, we're going on a bike ride. The third one says, come on, I go to the gym, you're going with me. Some kind of where their structure and their discipline was given to him, and he joins that. See, we're not called to have everything. Grace gives it to us. We're encouraged to join grace, to obey grace. So when it's offered to us, we find a program, we find the small group structure you're in, for example, to show up and let them minister to you. And so we did that. And I said, also, he's probably eating because he's hurting. Where's he grieving? Where's he working through this pain? So well, I don't know. He said, I said, so we put him in a grief group. And the grace of those people provided him the comfort and the healing that he needed to process this. And we did a few more other things. We gave him a CEO coach because he was running an organization. And, and that coach began to teach him and show him the skills he needed to not be so stressed. See, that's grace. You know, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, when we use our gifts with each other and we're giving each other these abilities, it says when you do that, and get this, it says you are administering the grace of God to each other in its various forms. When we coach one another, when we encourage one another, when we heal one another, when we model new skills to one another, that's God's grace and we're giving it to each other. And then he says, do it for another year. Well, this is going to take some time. So in this series, what we're going to go through here are the specifics in these areas of how grace, truth, and time help, okay? But I want to make sure that you have all three. Don't just be in a place where you have grace and no truth and no digging around. Don't have a lot of truth without a lot of grace. And make sure you don't do it in a weekend, that you do it over time. When we do that and look at those arenas and have them working in our lives, then that tree begins to bear fruit. Right, that's the introduction to what we're going to do the next uh, four weeks after this one. And I've read that that story many times about the fig tree. I love the way he brought out those three truths, that healing is a process and that healing involves grace, it involves truth, and it involves time. I love the concept of grace and truth because if you've heard me teach before, you've probably heard me say that love is grace and truth in action. John chapter 1, in a couple of different places, verse 14 and verse 17, three verses apart, describes Jesus as coming full of grace and truth and as the fact that grace and truth actually comes through him. Well, Jesus himself was love. So if Jesus is love and Jesus is grace and truth, then love is grace and truth. Grace and truth applied over time brings healing. That's not easy to do. It's not always to know when you need more grace or when you need more truth. We, you know, in our small group, in our discussion, I'll, I'll only out Jose and I, not everybody else, because I'm supposed to be confidential and safe for them and for myself, but we both realize that, man, we do a much better job at applying grace in some areas of our life, like outside of our home, and then we come home and we're much more truth-oriented there, and we need to figure out how to balance that and give more time. You may find that in your life, but for yourselves, I want you to be able to apply all of these three things in appropriate amounts. Let's go back to that 
uh, definition of the healing process again, because church that heals, what we really want to do is apply those three things in these two areas to appropriately diagnose whatever the issue is that God wants you to explore and work on in the next few weeks. You're going to have to give yourself some grace, but you're also going to have to dig around and find the truth and know that it's going to take some time to diagnose it accurately. Lord, search my heart and let me know what anxious or fearful ways are inside me. Pray that prayer and see what comes out. And then secondly, know that we're going to help you and we're going to walk through and Dr. Cloud's going to show us how do we treat this. Now that we've diagnosed this issue and we've kind of dug it up a little bit, what do we do to apply grace and truth and time in such a way that we get healthier so that we get the healing that we need so that we don't keep returning to this same negative place? God wants that for you. God is in it with you. And as a church, we want to come alongside you. A few weeks back, I talked about this a month or so ago, and I want to show you again, just the church itself here at Cypress Creek does have resources available. That's what that ccc.guide can do. It can show you what resources and options you have. There's everything from, you know, the opportunity to be in a community group, which we really want. there's, There's teachings, devotions that go out every morning. There's podcasts that go out every week. There's community group leaders that want to invest in your life. There's Celebrate Recovery. There's a prayer team that would love to minister to you through prayer and through counsel over there. There's pastoral team that's available. All you got to do is fill out that card. There's encounter, weekend encounters, so that we can dig in a little bit deeper over a short period of time and then walk that healing out over a longer period through community. And then we also have the ability to help you get to the right counselor if you need something beyond that. We're going to highlight a little bit of this every every week. Uh, This week, I just want to talk to you about community groups. It's a cool time because fall, we're getting started and everything's rolling back up and a lot of our community groups are starting back up. This is a great time to join a community group as things are ramping back up and be a part of it and go through these questions. Community groups are an awesome source of healing in a safe, supportive environment. They're designed to create support for you. But if it's not a community group, those concepts around support are still incredibly important. Support's really about five things. So if you're here with your spouse, you want to be a source of support for them. If you have a friend here beside you, you want to be a source of support for them. Support is about listening. Man, sometimes we just got to throw the phone aside and focus our attention on whoever's in front of us and really listen. And if you listen well enough, you'll create understanding. And people, man, we desire so much to be known and understood. Listen in such a way that leads to understanding. And then from that understanding, if you can engage your heart and actually care and show some compassion about what's being shared with you, that's support at an even deeper level. And then you take that care and compassion and you turn it into words of encouragement from the Lord. Let me just try to encourage you. Let me give you some of my courage and infuse it into you. And that encouragement then can conclude and be all wrapped up with prayer. Guess how many counseling degrees you have to have to do that process right there? Zero. All you got to do is be breathing and be willing. That's what God does for us a lot of the time. I've been at this for 30 years now, trying to help people through counseling. And I will tell you that the greatest counselors in the world are needed, but by far the majority of the time, all we need is somebody in our life willing to do those five things, unselfishly. So let's do that for each other. Get in a community group where that can be done on your behalf and you can do it for others. Thanks for following through, for digging in, and for seeking the healing that God wants for you. Let me pray. 
Jesus, what a cool opportunity to uh, get to sit in church with a group of people, to get to watch via the live stream and get to be reminded of the fact that you came to create healing in our lives, that when you look at us as your children, you don't want to see us broken and bitter and hurt and wounded and scared. You want to see us whole and full and healthy, and you are willing to walk beside us and engage us in that process. You're willing to use other people your other children in the lives of those around them. Lord, you let us participate in all of this. And most importantly, help us to consistently remember that true healing comes from you, our creator and our source. Your Holy Spirit is the ultimate counselor in our lives. And when those of us out here who need just Jesus with skin on, when that time comes, I pray that there would be healthy people around them to lift them up and love them with support. Help us to be bold in exploring and uncovering the issues in our life that prevent us from walking out the gifting and talents you've put inside us and showing up healthy in our relationships and from performing in a way that brings glory to you. Thanks, Lord, for the participation and the energy of the people listening right now. Bless them as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen.